0: Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. The woke madness in history education is off the rails. Well, how do we change it? McClanahanAcademy.com And because you listen to this podcast, if you use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, you get 25% off every day, all day, 365 days a year on every class at McClanahanAcademy.com So go to McClanahanAcademy.com, use coupon code PODCAST at checkout and get a real history education at 25% off. Why are more Americans resisting joining the military? Well, a surprising article at Newsweek actually tells you. We'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B R I O N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. Support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. If it's November of 2023, use the coupon code BLACKFRIDAY23. Get 35% off every single class, including my bundles at mcclanahanacademy.com. It's only good through November of 2023 35% off Black Friday 23 so take advantage of that when you buy classes there you keep this podcast free of charge you can also support the show by clicking on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com going to Spotify for podcasters clicking on the little heart button on YouTube if you're watching there throw a few pennies my way all those places you can buy my logo and all kinds of cool stuff at the shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com or buy my books wherever books are sold online Christmas is coming up all those things make great gifts but as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so people know you love it. Share it around on social media. Give that five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. And comment on YouTube for the algorithm. It does help get more eyes and ears on the show. And send me those show requests. I do want to see what you want to hear. All right. Well, why are Americans not joining up? Why are Americans resisting joining the military? This is something that um, is a big question. We have a volunteer army. We're looking at perhaps three wars at once. Uh, there's already people saying we're in World War III. It's already started. Americans just haven't gotten 100% involved yet. So if if that is the case, I mean, we have a military that has about a million people in it. But, and it's one of the the largest, it is the most expensive military in the world. But are Americans resisting joining the military? And this is true. Recruiting goals have fallen short just about every single year. And this is surprising because, of course, you know, for, if you watch any kind of television, you get bombarded with commercials, you know, join up, sign up. Um, you watch If you watch professional athletics for any time, um, you know, just over the weekend you had a big rah-rah Veterans Day thing going on, sign up for the military, join the military. It, if you watch the commercials, they make it look like Call of Duty. They make it look so much fun. Um, So the full-court press that they're going through is important. But why have Americans resisted recently in particular? Why is it that recently recruiting goals have fallen short? Well, this piece at Newsweek is actually pretty surprisingly honest. Maybe going woke in the military has caused some real problems. Maybe Americans don't want to be hit over the head with it every five seconds, and maybe that kind of military environment isn't conducive to producing a robust military. Now, if we ever got into a major World War III scenario, there's going to be a draft. Now, what would be interesting about that is that have we gotten to a point now where women would have to be called into draft to, to a draft, right? where they would actually be drafted? Um, I would hope not, but uh, I, there are people that I know that you know, listen to the show, though. that's all about equality. they have to be drafted. Well, I would hope that wouldn't happen. It says a lot about society when we go into that. And, I mean, look, we see how this works in other military forces and how there's issues with that. I'll just leave it there. But regardless, what does it say about a society when you have to force your women into going to war? So, um, particularly in a Western society, It didn't mean that this didn't happen throughout history. Of course it did. But in a Western society, when you don't need to do that, what does it say about your society? Now, this piece is entitled, Americans Don't Want to Fight for Their Country Anymore. And it's by Alex Phillips. And again, it's surprisingly honest in some ways. This is Newsweek. This isn't some right-wing website. This is surprisingly frank about the effect that wokeism has had on military recruiting. And in fact, some people have pointed out, you know, the recent commercials have almost dropped all of that stuff. Some very recent commercials—they've dropped all the woke stuff. It's all gone. Um, it doesn't mean that it's not there, and you'll see it in various areas. But they've really gone hard to show that no, 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 no—that's not what we're doing here. This isn't th- this isn't what the military is all about. Though we know, as things have come out, you know, the military has always been a social engineering uh, laboratory. It always has been. Particularly since the middle of the 20th century, it has been the way that the government forces social engineering. It's, they've done it, um, and I, I even maybe even before that. But that's what happens with the military, and of course, you get this. There is an educational part of the U.S. military, and I've seen it for years, and with uh, soldiers as students and other things. They they have particularly if they're a little higher up they're taught a lot of different things and um, one of the things that I find fascinating I've mentioned this before in other areas is that if you study for example the war in the 1860s you have the good guys and the bad guys and if you go if you go to the National Infantry Museum in Columbus Georgia at Fort Benning I refuse to call it Fort Moore at Fort Benning you'll find that you have this uh, part of the museum called the last hundred yards and the good guys are the Union soldiers and the Confederates are the enemy. This is how they portray it. So that's always there. It's subtle, right? It's very subtle, but it's there. So let me get into the piece, though. It says, The majority of American adults would not be willing to serve in the military were the U.S. to enter into a major war. Recent polling is found, while public confidence in the armed forces appears to be waning. I think there is some fatigue on this as well. Uh, we've been in a, a state of war now for for two decades. And I think Americans are getting tired of it. We've had an overreaction to the Vietnam syndrome, right? After the Vietnam War, it was thought that you know, we didn't treat our soldiers well. You know, we did horrible things. We didn't recognize them as being great veterans. So we've had an, uh, an overcompensation for that and going too far in the other direction. I think Americans are just kind of like, eh, we're getting tired of this right now. I mean, it's not what... It's not something that we want to do on an everyday basis. We don't want it shoved down our throats just like anything else. The figures come as all branches of the armed forces have in recent years struggled to meet their recruitment targets, suggesting a growing apathy towards a career of military service. And you even have this among families, military families. Don't don't go in the military anymore. You're seeing more and more of that. A lot of that is political. They don't want their kids to be part of this new, woke military. And the piece actually gets into that a little bit. In 2023, the Army and Air Force fell short of their respective goals by around 10,000 recruits, while the Navy was under by about 6,000. Since 1987, the number of active duty personnel has fallen by 39%. Experts say that such shortfalls are worrisome in an increasingly volatile global picture, with American leadership unsure when it will next have when it will next have to bring its full military force to bear. Well, you know, there's a, there's a solution to that part of it. It's called non-intervention. It doesn't mean you're isolated. It doesn't mean you don't engage the world, but you engage it in a different way. Think about the, the overarching theme of this, is that, you know what, we might be in World War III, so we got to have a big military. What about all the things we have to go fight? Well, why not have a different military perspective, a different foreign policy, and none of this would really matter. That's what's missing in all of this. If we just had that different perspective, perhaps things we wouldn't need, you know, millions and millions of soldiers. We have a million now, but we wouldn't even need that many. But you go to World War Three, you're going to need millions and millions, right? I mean, look, World War One, a couple million men, almost three million men, and four—I should say, you know, close to four million men. I think in the total, total number. Same thing in World War Two. Well, why do you need all that? Only if you're fighting great big wars. Why do you need all these military bases around the world? Isn't that not, uh, is that not economically unfeasible long-term? I mean, it, it, we don't ask these questions. We have strike groups, aircraft carriers, with the Marine Exped- Expeditionary Unit outside Israel now. Justin Henderson, a former transport operator for the U.S. Marines, turned military creator, told Newsweek, We're funding two wars, but we're actually boots on the ground, drones above Gaza, so we're already involved in there. We're not sure what's happening in Taiwan, so this is a very tumultuous time for us because we don't know what's going to happen. Well, again, how do you solve that problem? Just don't get engaged in all these things. That's not ever a solution. It's, look, we got all these wars, so we need more men. Why not, or we need more pe- you know, men and women. Why not now? Uh, we have all these situations. Let's de-escalate, and then we don't need all these people. That's not ever asked. How much it matters depends on what kind of people you're talking about and which bit you're not getting. Tom sugar a senior fellow at the Center for a New American Security and a former Navy attack submarine commander, told Newsweek. While infantry recruits could be trained in a matter of weeks, the same was not true for other roles. Let's say the Navy misses recruiting targets for an extended period and wasn't able to bring on the people it needs to manage submarines and fly its airplanes. If you end up in a major conflict, it's going to take time to train those people, he said. Experts say, though, that there is a, a complex mix of factors contributing to the military's recruitment issues, including adapting its messaging to a younger target generation, more engrossed in modern technology, and stories of supposed woke marketing hurting recruitment, as well as an economic uh, economic outlook, outlook that is proving a challenging environment for those efforts. So you got people that are video game nerds, and then you've got woke marketing hurting recruitment, which is true. It is true. And then there's the economic outlook. Look, in the war in 1861, you know why a lot of people signed up? Because it was a job. You could get three squares. You could go and make a paycheck. When the economy goes bad, more people will join the military. Because it's a job. Go out and go to work. We are actively making efforts to ensure the military remains a viable and productive career choice for a majority of people. (laughs) A career choice. So military is a career. Now, I mean, this isn't new, right? This is, But the United States was built on a volunteer army. It was built on militia. It wasn't a career. He had something else. I mean, George Washington wasn't a soldier by career. He was a planter. Winfield Scott made it a career. A little later. And you did have some of that. But... The idea of Americans being career military officials—and you had others. Henry, I mean Henry Knox was basically a career military official. You had some of them, but that wasn't what people did. It, you were supposed to be in the militia. You were you were trained on how to be in the military, but your job was something else. But here we need to make this an attractive career choice. We need to go out and show you how you this is a job for you for the rest of your life. This is Commander Nicole. Schwegman, Department of Defense spokesperson. A poll by the Research Institute Echelon Insights of 1,029 likely voters conducted between October 23rd and 26th found that seventy percent of those asked would not be willing to volunteer to serve in the armed forces were America to enter into a major conflict. Compared with 21% who would. The remainder were unsure. The poll was conducted after Hamas led an unprecedented militant attack on Israel on October 7th. Shurgut said the results needed context, however. I'm very skeptical of of that being accurate because I think the why you're in a war can dramatically change the answer to that question, he said. I was in the military before 9-11. A lot of society didn't really think about the military very much before then. I'll say this. I had a student one time, and he said, look, he joined the military in July of 2001. And... Uh, he was in basic training at Fort Benning in September of 2001 when 9/11 happened and his first, he joined the military to get a college education His first thought was oh no I'm gonna have to go to war you see a lot the way that recruitment went in the 90s we weren't had, didn't have any major conflicts I mean there were some you know we had proxy, little proxy things going on here and there but in terms of, After the first Gulf War, between that and September 11th, there was a decade or so where it was a college degree. It was a job that you got into. You went in for a few years and you got out, and people weren't really thinking about this could lead to something else. But then that all changed with 2001 for two decades now. Longer than some of the people who are going into the military have been alive, we've been engaged in, in these massive, expansive, open-ended, war-on-terror conflicts. If you look at our history, we need to be convinced to get into a war, David Eustis, CEO of Military Recruiting Experts, told Newsweek. While Americans needed a reason to support the war in Vietnam, he said the war in Afghanistan was immediate and had wide support because something happened to our country. So in other words, we need to be attacked. I mean, why was there widespread support for World War II when it happened? Because we were attacked in the Philippines and at Pearl Harbor. So people said, well, i got to join the military. Why was there a lot more opposition to Americans getting involved in World War I? Well, because we weren't attacked. So if there's an attack, well, then that clearly, we got to get involved in this. Which is important to understand because people in higher ups know this they know that Americans aren't going to be so willing to go into something unless there is an attack. you have a, you have an image September 11th right you have an image of the World Trade Center's collapsing the Pentagon and you know Pennsylvania flight 93 you have an image of these things you saw it. we all saw it on TV you have an image of Pearl Harbor there was there were, there was film footage coming out of that we have an image of these things. People want to go do something about it. Unless that happens, people are less inclined to go and be involved in these wars. If we're convinced that it's something that we need to do, Americans generally will do it. Less people joining is another matter, and it's very complex, he added the start of October, a survey of 1,000 likely voters conducted by jail partners for the Daily Mail found that while an overall majority of Americans said they would die fighting for the country where the U.S. invaded, when broken down by age, the sentiment was lowest among those who were 18 to 29 years old. Meanwhile, a Gallup poll in June found confidence in the military declined for its sixth consecutive year to 60%. Eustace, who served 26 years in the Minnesota National Guard, noted that young adults were the military's prime target for new recruits, Currently, Generation Z are those born after 1997, and argued that growing up in the internet internet age has made them used to immediate gratification. There's so many choices out there; we're an à la carte society, he said. You can have it if you want to have it. You can have it delivered to you. Almost anything is a swipe or a click away. In a world where a college degree can be earned from a bedroom, Eustace suggested the rigor of training could appear unappealing. Having observed his young children watching videos on the internet of feats of physical activity, Henderson said they were getting that dopamine hit of seeing someone accomplish something physically taxing, but their bodies didn't go through it. And that's where the disconnect really comes in. The current generation is also less likely to interact with members of the military, the recruiter said. Eustace noted that while his father, who served in Korea, saw seven of his ten children serve in the military, that sort of family was very uncommon nowadays. Right. And a lot of these families are telling their kids, don't go in the military. So you have these military families becoming less and less frequent. And even when they are, when they don't go in, um, it's not something that you need to do. And part of that is political. I think people are getting worn down by the American empire. They just don't want to do it anymore. What's the point? Why are we all dying in Israel or you know, Ukraine if you want to take, or Taiwan? Why will we die there? Why are we dying in Vietnam or Korea? Why are we dying there? Why are Americans going to these places? Now, if it's here, we'd certainly be willing to defend the United States, But that, that shows you what people... in They're not driving foreign policy, though. Foreign policy is being driven in a different direction because you have different agendas. The establishment wants something else. The majority of Americans don't want to do this stuff, but the establishment does, which tells you, if you're a political person and you want to tap into this, hammer this home. We don't need to be an empire. We can defend the United States. We can certainly be engaged in the world through peaceful trade, but we don't have to pick sides on everything, and we don't have to be dragged into wars. It doesn't have to happen. Henderson, now a senior vice president, recruit military said that modern technology has generally reduced face-to-face interactions, which were the standard means for military recruiters to engage young people. Those opportunities to have those conversations aren't as abundant as they used to be, he said. And as of November 3rd, the U.S. unemployment rate was down to 3.9%, while 150,000 jobs were added to the economy in October alone. But simply, jobs are being offered and people are taking them. At the same time, inflation is still a thorn in the side of many consumers, and so many are seeking higher wage packets, which are currently increasing above inflation. By comparison, a new enlistee in the armed forces earns a little over $20,000 a year. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard. People in the military are often on welfare. So, if there were no jobs, they would take that. But with jobs, well, they're not going to do it. There's definitely a strong relationship between the unemployment rate and how hard it is to recruit people, sugar said. When we're in a recession and unemployment is high, then generally the military has very little trouble recruiting people. On the other hand, if the economy is really good and the, un- and the employment market is really tight and people have lots of options, sometimes the military has more trouble recruiting. Yeah, I mean, again, if you want to read a great book on that in the 1860s, it's, it's entitled Lincoln's Mercenaries by William Marvel. He does a fantastic job with this. It's not a very long book, but he points out how the union recruiting efforts were based on people needing a job. But recruiters also argue that there is a lack of awareness of the full package the military provides beyond a basic salary, something they say the armed forces need to signpost better to attract a younger generation. I don't necessarily think that the job market makes it more difficult. Others might disagree with, it, with that, Eustace said. It's a very big concern for Gen Z, financial stability. However, military service offers knowledge, money, medical coverage, or retirement if you stay in. Deals on VA home loans when you're done with your service. Valuable experience to advance you in your career. He added, so to me, the economic condition should enhance what we're doing if we message it properly. It's a job with benefits, right? I mean, you get that. You get VA loans. You get all these things. You get 10% discount everywhere you go and all this stuff. You get all that if you just join the military. Anderson said that while national unemployment was 3.9%, veterans' unemployment was 2.9%. He said that military service gave the ability to push yourself to levels that other people don't know they could push themselves to, which was attractive for employers. Sugar said that, though that for those the military was targeting who have to be physically fit, free health care was less of a concern, but suggested the key selling point of free college tuition might be undercut by the Biden administration's student loan forgiveness plan, which, scaled back by the Supreme Court, has seen tens of thousands of dollars knocked off the debts of poorest, the poorest loan holders. So we can't sell it as a college recruitment program anymore. We, in other words, we can't give out all, we can't pay people to be in the military. All the benefits, signing bonuses, college, all this stuff. Can't do all that. Because people have other options. I mean, the signing bonus. Get, you know, a certain amount of money up front and then go buy a car that you leave at post because it's just sitting there. Schweigman said the DOD recognizes the job market in the public and private sectors is extremely competitive. There's a wide range of employment options available for today's youth. We are constantly working to make sure that service in the military is a part of the conversation and part of the decision space. We believe that serving in the military can be a rewarding and meaningful option for most people. So again, look at how they're selling all this. Big foreign policy. Go out and fight all these wars. It's a, it's a program where you can get job and benefits and retirement and college degree and all this stuff. Look at what it's being offered as. A job. A job. That's how they try to sell it. I mean, it's it's important to see what this thing is. It's another part of the bureaucracy. If you didn't have all these potential wars, you start with that. We have all these wars. Now we need to get people in there. We'll take out the war part, and then you don't need all these people. You do need people that are going to be pilots and learn how to do all these skilled positions. There's, that's always been the case. and Even the founding generation recognized that with having an advanced officer corps. That's something else. Several attempts at military PR this year have sparked social media outrage and accusations that it was going woke, and in so doing, deterring those most likely to sign up. And made the Navy come under fire for inviting yeoman second class Joshua Kelly, a drag queen by the name of Harpy Daniels, to become a digital ambassador to reach a wide range of potential candidates. At the time, the spokesperson said it, was, it stands by any person who is willing to take an oath to put their life on the line in defense of this nation. Then in July, the Army received backlash for publishing a profile of Major Rachel Jones, a transgender servicewoman. Now, even ads that hark back to previous slogans can pre- and predominantly feature male recruits are being described as cynical online. Eustace said that these sorts of culture war debates were unlikely to deter the military's target generation, who were very open to all sorts of different lifestyles. False. We're seeing recruiting failures. Because people who would be the primary targets don't want to be hit over the head with this stuff. But he added, some parents will be turned off by those things and maybe not endorse military service as much. Maybe the people themselves, the the, the potential recruits themselves, don't want to deal with that. They don't want to be told that. It's usually a little bit of a challenge to get parents to be for it anyways, he said. They're supportive of the military, but would prefer it to be someone else's child. Anderson said that he... that type of media is hurting the military's overall recruiting efforts, but added it was the civilian media looking from the outside in and making judgment as, judgments and chair-picking stories to try to divide, while those in the military are keeping the blinders on and finding high-performing individuals who want to grow and learn. Keeping the blinders on. What does all that mean? So this is the outside looking in. In the military, we got the blinders on. We're not worried about this stuff. This is what we're looking at from the outside, but what does that actually mean? This is the question. Instead, Bo suggested there was a perception of armed service in the traditional media that had given an unappealing perception of perilous service followed by physically and mentally troubled life as veterans. The truth is most veterans are doing very well. They're leaders in their businesses and communities, Eustace said, though others say there is a particular mental health epidemic among veterans with 24 suicides a day. Again... Look at the what they're all. This is great. We got all this great stuff, great benefits. All that stuff is fake. Nobody really cares about all this, you know, woke stuff. Nobody cares about the mental illness that's going on. There was a piece that I didn't focus on, um, where we were supposed to have a low casualty number in a in a sustained artillery bombardment in Syria, and all of these guys came back with severe mental health problems. Why? because the shockwaves of the shelling over and over and over, it actually damaged their brains. So people are looking at this and saying, well, why do we want to voluntarily do this? Right? I mean, if you're forced into it, that's a whole nother thing, which that's another, another question of the draft. I got a great class on that. How the Supreme Court Screwed up America. There's a section of There's a case on that, a court case on that, which I'll, which I get into that. But regardless, it's a whole nother issue. But why would people want to go through this? Why would, they want to put, why would they want to become this damaged mentally? Hollywood doesn't do us any favors, Henderson said. When civilians close their eyes and think of military, they're thinking of the Navy SEAL, door kicker, infantry person. they are only 3% of the military's infantry. The other 97% is support. This is true. For every three people in the field, there's 97 people behind them doing all kinds of things. 97% of the military is bureaucracy. Everything in the civilian market is there, he added, noting his previous career as a truck driver in the Marine Corps. Yusuf said there were other factors in the recruitment process itself that were having an impact on the number of enlistees who made it through the boot, to boot camp, including data limits on the number that can be pr- processed, as well as increased medical and background checks, which prolonged the time between signing up and being accepted, leaving a greater opportunity for dropouts. The military is also facing a high level of unfitness to serve among the general population. As of 2020, it assessed that 77% of those aged 17 to 24 were qualify due to medical reasons, drug use, or criminal records. There are signs that the military is adapting to Generation Z. <clears throat> Anderson spoke of a gaming truck designed by the Air Force so young adults could simulate flying drones. The military is now trying to speak their language, he said. Yeah, so they've got this gaming truck. So you can be a drone operator. Now, how many people are going to be that? A lot of people are just going to go in and do something else. Again, trying to oh, this is going to be the cool side. Then you don't get to do that, right? So this piece is is eye opening. They want to discount the the image of the military that's created. He says this isn't true. We don't have a mental health crisis. We don't have this. We don't have you know veterans homelessness. We don't have any of that stuff. We don't have veterans uh, uh, you know health crisis at all. Uh, we don't have any woke problems. Yeah, you do. You certainly do. The military is unprepared. Some of it's because we're woke is ingrained in the institution. Affirmative action, all kinds of things. It's ingrained in it. So therefore, how do you how do you rid yourself of that stuff? You can't. You've got the blinders on. The other issue, of course, is the big picture, which is foreign policies. Why I talked about it last week. If we've got World War III, if we've got three concurrent wars that we're looking to get into. That's really the issue. If you've got 100 bases around the globe, that's the issue. You scale all that back and you don't need so many people. You see? But then you lose the welfare side of it, which is the jobs. So this is a great big problem. It's very difficult to unwrap and unravel. I don't know where we go with it. I think the the first direction should be to scale back foreign policy and then you don't need this stuff as much and then you can scale down the military. It is one of the largest parts of our budget, and Americans are willing to defend the United States, and you can still be prepared to do that without having an expansive foreign policy and boots on the ground everywhere around the world. So that's another part of this. All right. See you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.